This intro is provided by recording artist John Maxim. It's a clip from his new single, Blame. Follow him on Instagram at John Maxim Music. Up, get dressed up, confess up the worst of my feelings are very mischieving. I struggle to blame myself. It's my fault. Welcome from the depths of darkness to the light of success. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Compass Nine Media. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Chris Wick Podcast. Welcome to another episode of From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. I'm your host, Chris Swick, and this podcast is brought to you by my sponsor, Compass 9 Media, your podcast branding specialist. Today, we got an amazing guest all the way from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, Sid Vanderpool, former number one ranked boxer by the IBF. Uh, You want to take it away and let them know a little bit about yourself? All right, Chris. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, I'll give you a little background on myself and... uh... You know, my family and, again, uh, our roots in boxing, uh, they're they're rich and they're deep. And, you know, I'll start with my dad just kind of wanting to get his sons involved in something. And so um, he loved watching boxing on television. Back then it was like Ali, Frazier, those kinds of guys. And he was like, hey, um, I think my sons, uh, you know, can can do this. So he started training us. And that was our very first coach. And uh, one time we were at a boxing event and again i had four older brothers and they all boxed and we were at a boxing event in toronto uh promoted by the late uh late great great vince bagnetto and uh there weren't enough matches and vince came back to the back dressing rooms and he said uh i don't have enough fights does anyone else have anyone that can fight tonight and my dad looked at me and he pointed down and he's like he'll fight and uh i kind of looked up at him and uh, i put on my brother's trunks and they hung down to my ankles and I put on these big gloves and I got in the ring and looked over across the ring and there was a tall boy. He was tall, standing across the ring from me. And I later came to find out that he was nine years old. And so the bell rang and uh, I was like, well, I can either go back to the corner and tell my dad I'm not going to fight or I can go fight this boy across the uh, the ring. And I thought it was a better idea to try and fight the boys across the ring. And uh, we went and we fought and uh, they raised my hands at the end of that fight. And I won my first fight at six and a half years old. And that kind of just started my, my career in boxing. And uh, I represented Canada as, a, as an intermediate and junior boxer all across the world. At the 92 Olympics, I finished second at the Olympic trials. And so at that time, I was 19 years old and had a decision to make. It was either uh, turn pro or wait around for another Olympics. And for me, it was like gold medal or gold Mercedes. And I thought, you know what? I kind of want a gold Mercedes. So I think I'll try this pro thing. Uh, turn pro. In 1992, uh, in Broughton, Massachusetts, uh, in in the home of where my idol, marvelous Marvin Hagler, is from, and uh, I went on to, uh, to have five victories there. And I lost my my sixth pro fight, and I just kind of knew that something needed to change. And so I went to a training camp and worked with John Davenport, and from there I went six and a half years undefeated uh, until I faced Bernard Hopkins uh, with the uh, IBF uh, World Middleweight Title uh, in. Um, Let's stop right there about that Bernard Hopkins fight. Walk us through that fight. Like, what was it like going in fighting a guy with that like stature with Bar- that Bernard Hopkins had at the time back in the early two thousands or late nineties? Yeah, yeah. So for me, again, I was young, um, undefeated for six and a half years. Uh, I think I was twenty eight and one, twenty eight wins, one loss at that time. And, and so for me, I was just it was just my crowning. It was my moment to 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 win 
um, that title on a big stage. I was very confident. Uh, again, Bernard was probably 35, and I was 28, 27. And I thought, man, this guy's too old. He's too old to like get in there and, and rumble with me. And so I was excited about the opportunity. And um, so you know, it, it was it was again, it was it was 100% going there to win, take that title from a guy who'd already had the championship for probably six years. He was probably world champion for six years when I fought him. And then, as many know, he went on to fight into his like I don't know what do you what do you fight into his seventies out. <laughs> for sure for sure but then uh, did you lose that fight or did you win that fight so that fight i lost the decision against Brown hopkins and you know um i didn't read the because uh, back then people used to write magazines and read them uh there were lots of re- reports and uh, i didn't read them until afterwards and most people had me getting knocked out in the fifth it was a matter of what round i was going to get knocked out in and i ended up losing a decision um, and some of the stats showed that I'd won more rounds against Bernard Hopkins than anyone had in the past uh, three years. So uh, I, I did pretty well for myself, but uh, I didn't come wrong with the title. Oh, well, that, that's okay because, you know, down the road you ended up winning a world title, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, so what happened with that is um, the world champion at the time was Sven Otke, uh from Germany, and he retired. So the title became vacant. So it was a vacant title. So I was ranked uh, in the top 10, and then they you know, looked at who else is ranked in the top 10, and those two people in the top 10 fought each other for, for the number one spot in the world. And so it was a 12-round eliminator fight, and so I won that, so I was ranked number one in the world at that time. Yeah. So And then, so that then, so now I'm ranked number one in the world, and so the next, the next, um, next thing that happens there is you look for the next available fighter to fight the number one, and they will fight for the world title. And that was Jeff Lacey. And so that's when I fought uh, in Vegas against Jeff Lacey, and I lost uh, I lost that fight. And that, was that sort of the end of your career, the end of your road at that time? Yeah, yeah that was pretty much it. After that, I kind of decided, you know, I had one more fight, and I decided, you know what, um, you know, I was 32, and I'd been pro for 13 years. It was just time to kind of move on to do some other things. And then what did, where did the, you know, retirement, where did that take you after? Cause you haven't stopped or slowed down, you know, as you know, if, if anyone does know the Vanderpools, you know, they're both, both the brothers have their own gyms in Kitchener, Waterloo there. So what, what, what took you to the gym aspect then, you know, opening up your own gym and training others? Well, I just kind of knew that, you know, like most of my knowledge was in uh, sports and health and fitness and boxing. And so I just knew that um, I didn't, take all that uh, information that over the years and I just don't want to throw it away. So I'm like, okay, how do I parlay this into something that I, that I enjoy and that I can make a living at? And that's kind of when, um, you know, I just thought, you know what, um, the gym uh, industry, uh, the fitness industry is kind of where I want to, you know, lay my hat. And so at that point I took a job, it took a job working as a boxing uh, coordinator um, with the understanding that I would open my own gym, but first I need to learn, what business was all about. So I did that for a year before actually moving into my own, my own spot. So where did you get your startup as a boxing coordinator then? That was, uh, that was in Guelph at uh, Achieve Fitness. With a okay. and a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they, the gym was called, it was Achieve Fitness, but then the boxing was called Backstreet Boxing. So we did, yeah, we did some great things there for a year. Nice. That's awesome. And then you moved on to opening up your own gym now. And what's yeah. that called? So that's Sit Fit, and we're located in Kitchener. And again, when we first started, 
it was, uh, I think about 800 square feet, 800 square feet, just one room. Uh, and we just hung four heavy bags from the rafters and that's where we started. And then we moved from, uh, 800 to 1600 and then from 16 to 23 and then from 23 to 55. And, you know, now we're at 5,500 square feet and we have kind of a whole well-rounded offering. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, we have wellness. So we have massage, physio, uh, osteopath. Uh, we have, you know, strength training, we have nutrition coaching, we have boxing uh, for all different levels and ages. And so really just being able to provide everything that you know, for myself, I had to kind of travel all around in different places to get. Now we have it all in one spot. So anyone that, that is a member here kind of gets treated like they're a high performance athlete. That's amazing to see and like the way you give back to the community that you came from, you know, and, that, you know, you never forgot your roots, which is really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, all throughout my career, um, I mean, my, you know, when I like for those that don't know, too, just cut you off for a second. But you know, like, there's so many, like, like Kitchener Waterloo is so enriched and deep with boxers. Like Lennox Lewis comes from there. You know, the Vanderpools, all those types of guys. <laughs> just so as everyone know, you know, and like the list goes on. Like you got Gary the boxer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember him, you know. <laughs> I've heard lots of stories from the older guys from about him and stuff. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the way we always that's the way we were brought up is uh never to forget your roots and you know, we've had so much support uh from the Kitchener community and, and the surrounding communities. You know, like I was gonna say, when I fought uh Jeff Lacey, I mean there were just plain loads of people that came to, to see that fight. And, uh, I mean, we even had um, a guy you might know, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Wayne Gretzky came, and my publicist, you know, was talking to Wayne, and Wayne was like, listen, would you mind if my daughter sung the national anthem? And we're like, absolutely. So, Wow, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was really great to, to have that support all through my career. And it's just natural that uh, I'd want to then give back and be a part of the community that supported me all the way through. For sure. So what does success look like for you, Sid? I mean, there's success in, in, in different areas, uh, you know, of my life. But as far as it goes with uh, with boxing, uh, one of the things that uh, we look to do here is to just create, we, we create a culture of champions. And that just doesn't mean inside the ring. It means um, outside the ring. It just means in the way you carry yourself, in the way, um, the way you treat others. So really for me, uh, just in all my years of boxing, there are going to be very few that make it to that elite level. And we want to be part of that. But also the people who come along just to try boxing for whatever reason, we want to make sure that we're instilling values um, and different traits that they can use throughout their life. They'll find value in that in, 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 in any area, any walk of life. And we've seen that. We've seen people who are, here when they were 17 years old and we've watched them transition into adulthood now and they own like multi multi properties and they'll come back to me and say hey Sid man like do you remember when you had this talk with me when I was 17 and I'm like really I said that to you I'm like yeah you said this 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 and this and at that moment I decided you know I was going to make a change and and so those are the things that we want to make sure that we continue to do and and continue to be a part of 
And how does that make you feel when you have people coming back to you and saying, hey, you've really helped me out. You know, this is where I was at that point when you were talking to me. And, you know, this is where I am today because I listened to those words. They really stuck true to me. How does that make you feel like when people come back and tell you that? You know, it's really it's really why uh, we do what we do here. And that's to impact lives. And so, you know, it obviously makes me feel good, but it also makes me feel like we're not done and we're not reaching enough people. So we're constantly trying to reach more people, impact more lives um, each year. And, um, you know, uh, you know, with the turn of events uh, this year, you know, it's made us have to go online and, and, and do different things. And we're still able to, to impact lives and impact people. And so, you know, like I was telling my team the other day, um, the way we do things may have changed, but the reason why we do it remains the same. So let's continue to do those things, you know, with the fervor and with the um, energy that we started out with. Like that should never change. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for the insight there. And how would one find purpose in life? You know, what's an explanation from you on how someone can find purpose in life? You know, I think there's there's many different ways that uh, people can can come to that. And uh, but. I think no matter where along the continuum you are or how it comes to you, it's going to come down to also self-awareness, you know, just really being aware of, of what makes you happy, what you don't like, um, all these things that um, sometimes other people put on you and you don't even realize um, that that's not, not, not where you need to be or where you want to go. So it's just coming to that realization and that awareness of, of kind of your, your inner self and, and what it is that drives you, what gets you up in the morning, what, what makes you passionate about what, if you weren't getting paid, would you, would you still do it? Right. Like, and, uh, and those kind of questions that people sometimes ask, but you don't take the time to really go inside and, and play it out to the end because it's difficult. But, you know, I say if you do the difficult things now, you have the, the good things later. So, you know, I was fortunate enough that I spent a lot of time in training camps and training camps are a very lonely place. And so a lot of times, me and myself and I, and what else was I going to do? I mean, I wasn't a gamer, so I just thought. I just thought, and I pontificated, and I reflected, and uh, it just allowed me to, to really get to know myself really well. And is, is from going on from what you just said there about, you know, lots uh, being with your own thoughts during these training camps is spirituality, you know, not, not just be, not believing in God or whatever, but just it, do you believe in something greater than yourself? You know what I mean? Do you have spirituality in your life? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and that's a big part of, uh, I call my anchor, you know, so, you know, things may get crazy in the world or with life or whatever. But just having that anchor, that place where you, you know that you can rely um, and you can go back to, and that's that foundation. So things can rock everywhere else, but that that is a rock. And so spirituality is, is huge for me, and it is my foundation, and I, I draw great strength from that. Nice. That's awesome. What is one thing you think every human being should learn how to do? <laughs> every human being needs to learn how to get punched in the face and then keep on going. Um, resilience. Uh, and if, you know, if we haven't learned anything from this year, it's going to be like resilience. Um, you know, uh, you have to be able to have things not go your way and still find your way. Uh, and, and you have to be resourceful. 
but that all comes from a resilient mindset and knowing that no matter what happens, there's a way that you can, you know, use that, turn that, um, utilize that to get you to where you still need to be. And, you know, once you lose that, once you get punched in the face and it's just like, oh, that hurt, I don't think I want to go on anymore. Well, guess what? It's over, you know? And so um, it's an analogy. I mean, Mike Tyson said it, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face and punched in the mouth. Um, and, and it's, it's so true. And, uh, we lived a really good life for many, many years. Uh, the economy has been awesome. Da, 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 da. And so now things have changed and the people who are resilient are, are going to have an easier go of it. And, uh, and not to say, you know, geez, I'm a resilient guy. So if you haven't learned how to be resilient, you know, too bad for you. No, I need to then be looking out for those people who, you know, are struggling, you know, mentally and whatever. Um, it's just not, I don't, just get a free pass now because I've worked on that for years. No, now I need to help, you know, lift those people up and continue to, to, to serve and, and, and be better for our community. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, you do do so much for your, your community, you know, whether it being giving back to charity or through charity or through things you've done at your boxing club and stuff like that. It's amazing to see the things that you've done, man. So what are three things you do for your mental and physical well-being on a daily basis to, you know, keep your mental health in check? So three things, uh, I, I journal. So I have a journal that I created. Uh, over the years of just tinkering with different, so it's not a, I don't, I don't just write on a blank page. It's, um, there are prompts. So it prompts me. So it's like, what are you grateful for today? And I'll write that down. So just over the years, I've kind of mismatched things that work for me and I've created my own journal. And so I use that. So, and within the journal, some of the things that help me is gratitude. So being grateful. Uh, every day waking up finding something to be grateful for which is not hard because if i'm breathing i should be grateful for that uh two uh visualization so really just visualizing my day and what i want from that day how i want that day to go because you know anyone who's been at high level sports understands that um your body cannot tell the difference between visualizing it or actually doing it right the studies show that so if you can visualize yourself walking into work, being confident, people smiling, people laughing, people being engaged, if you can actually visualize that, your body starts to react that same way. And so when you walk in that state of gratitude and, and whatever you kind of visualized, um, those things are going to happen for you. So visualization is a big part of it. And then um, just um, setting my intention for the day, you know, like how do I, what do I want to be uh, for this day? And again, it's just really being intentional about, you know, why you're, why did you wake up this morning? Be intentional about it. So don't the day happen to you, all right? You got to take care of the day and you got to make the day happen for, for you in the direction that you want. So being intentional about that. And my mornings are, that that's my sanctuary. Morning times, you know, yes, I do my training, but while I'm doing my training, I'm not just building my body, I'm building my mind, I'm building my emotional sphere, I'm building, you know, all these things to set me up to have a successful day. And and so do you start your day early, early in the morning? Like, do you have a regime, like, like you know, a regiment you have going still at, at today's day and age? Heck yeah. And it's probably even more important in today's age. I mean, I wake up at 4.44, you know, and you're going to say, why 4.44? Because I know other people are setting their alarm for 4.45, so I'm getting up one minute earlier. <laughs> so I get about 444 
And then that's kind of when I start my routine, you know, and it goes until about 8.15. So, you know, those four hours in the morning is kind of when I get to do my thing and, and make sure that uh, I'm taking care of my my own personal well-being before I give out to the world. And you have, a, you know, kids and a family now, do you not? I sure do. Uh, I've been married for 18 years. And my wife's name is Michelle. And we have uh, two daughters and a son. And my oldest is 19. Uh, so, oh, my gosh, she just turned 20 in August. 20, uh, 18, and then my son is 14. And have any of them decided to follow in your footsteps at all like, and take up boxing or, you know, things like that? No, they've been around it. Some, they've all done some sort of fitness boxing. One of my daughters was an instructor for a while. Um, so they all know how to do it. But none of them are actively participating in boxing. They've kind of found their own thing, uh, which is which is great with me. And it's nice. You know, you don't force them into what they don't want to do. It's like my son, for instance, he played, you know, he knew I played hockey and stuff. So he did get into hockey, but you can't force your kids to do what you want them to do at the end of the day. Let them choose their path. Yeah, definitely. I find if, if they own it and it's theirs, then uh, they'll be a little more committed to it. Right. It's not dad's sport. It's, you know, one of my daughter's dances. And uh, for a while there, there wasn't any dance going on. And she went out and and researched and found a spot and started doing it online because it was her. She owned it. And uh, I find that's, you know, that's usually a, a good way for us to, as parents to just support our kids and kind of, we, we kind of just, you know, put them in this, put them in that, put them in that. And then kind of whatever sticks, you just kind of like, all right, good. Let's pour into that. For sure. For sure. That's the easiest way to do it in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, before we go, what what's one thing that you could tell the younger generation of today? You know, if it's one th- positive thing you could tell them, what would it be? One positive thing. Okay. Uh, one positive thing is things can always get better. Uh, things can always change. So, man, like I just know, like, you know, I'm 48 and I lived in a different era, I think. I know. And there seems to be a lot more depression um in in young people these days and uh they're experiencing these these sorts of things and um that depression comes from i think um also just a sense of um of, of losing hope and so really you know just that's one thing i like to do is try and i mean it's so easy to instill hope in somebody it, it, it's crazy like um my daughter this morning is a, i uh, i have a journal and I, I write to my kids every morning in, in their journals and so my daughter wrote back to me today and said, you know, hey, dad, great job with your diet. And, and I know you're doing a diet and great job with it. And, and, you know, keep it up. And just that simple, you know, expression, you know, instilled hope in me like, wow, I, 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 I can do it. I am doing it. So vice versa. You know, sometimes it's just a kind word to somebody that can instill hope to them to keep them going. Right. And uh, you never know where people are at. Everybody can always use a, a, a positive word of encouragement. So that's kind of my word. It's just you know what, there's there's always a chance to, um, to 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 do better, to be better, and don't lose hope. Thanks so much, man. That that was an amazing you know insight on so many levels from all different angles from you, Sid. And before we go, where can people find you online, like on social medias and stuff, if they want to follow you? On Instagram at Boxing by Sid. Uh, on Facebook, you know Sid Vanderpool. Uh, they can look us up online at boxingbysid.ca or sidfithealthcenter.ca. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So, yeah, just type in Sid Vanderpool, see what comes up. 
and then you can find my social media outlets there. Thank you so much again for uh, stopping by the show today and exp- you know sharing your story of you know experience, strength, and hope. I love it, man. No, thank you, and, and keep on doing what you're doing, man. Um, you know the, the world needs to to hear these kind of messages, and uh, I just appreciate you and what you're doing. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. New episode comes out every Monday at 7 a.m. on all streaming platforms. And you can follow me on Instagram at Depth of Dark Side and on Facebook at From the Depths of Darkness to the Light of Success. Have a great week, folks.